we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello, and welcome to the rise up season of the Northern Power Women podcast. I'm your host, Simone Roshan. On each episode, I'll be joined by someone awesome from our Northern Power Women community to talk all things awards. The nominations are now open for the Northern Power Women Awards 2022. It's been two years since we opened for nominations because we've had that enforced pause. But guess what? We want to encourage you to start celebrating, high-fiving, championing and shouting from the rooftops about the amazing people in your organisation, your network, your community, wherever. Let's high five and raise the profile of awesome people. Nominating is free and it's simple. Just follow the link in the show notes to begin the process. This will be the sixth annual Northern Power Women Awards and someone who knows just how thorough and rigorous the judging process is, is my guest here today, Muriam Onwar. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Simone. It's it's so great to be with you. And I'm so glad that the nominations are now open as well. Oh, you know, you kind of deliberate and think what's the right thing to do. And you just think, you know what, we cannot keep these people, you know, not having a light shot on them. So Muriam, let me tell you about Muriam. She's a senior policy professional with 17 years experience within government. And since 2018, she has been area director for the Northwest, is an absolutely passionate activist on diversity and inclusion. And Muriam was inducted into the Northern Power Women Future List in 2017 and since then has been a judge every single year. You are our longest standing judge. Did you know that? I actually didn't, but um, it's been such a privilege. We were just talking before about it. You know, you get to see some amazing nominations. So um, that that's actually a really good accolade. I, I will wear that with pride. I think there'll be another badge. You know we love badges. But <laughs> actually, just while we're talking about the judge, can you just give our, our listeners a, just a sense of the process and how sort of robust and rigorous it is? Yeah, I mean, I think for the, the process, for me, I absolutely love it. You know, the amount of time and effort that goes in from those submitting nominations to your team for sifting through and categorizing them. And then to the judges reading all the nominations and providing their feedback. And there's like a final stage of a shortlist and a video process for us to connect with people and their vision and purpose and achievements. It's thorough, but it's not burdensome. And it's inspiring and a privilege to discuss so many amazing nominees. Um, And it makes me feel even more proud uh, to to be a Northerner. And and it's not like the judges don't have disrespect, like respectful disagreements. It's just that, you know, it can be a challenging uh, conversation sometimes. And I, I love that because I feel like you've developed all the right ingredients that give you such an amazing and diverse field to choose from. 
I'm so glad you said that because it's, I love it. I always think, I always say, you know, when uh, it's not Northern flaky women, you know, we put a lot of, you know, sometimes, you know, I worry, have we over-engineered? But I'm always passionate that if people have taken the time to write those nominations and then the nominees have taken the the sort of the awkwardness to to fill in that response that I think we've got to give it the, the, the best sort of process we can. And we have nearly 70 judges because, you know, I think in the first years, we, I think you may have probably judged one or two categories, yeah. uh, but we're, we're quite sort of uh, focused now on everyone should just sort of focus on one because then you can give it your full attention and, and like you say, hopefully not be burdensome. So thank you for being our, <laughs> our queen of judges. Thank you. <laughs> As a woman of colour, how many women um, like you did you see in your in senior positions when you were starting your career in the civil service? And I can't believe it's 17 years. Yeah, I mean... It's a really good question because I wanted to start off first by talking about identity because it's such a complex thing. I mean, I could be labelled as a northerner, a Manc, a Muslim, South Asian, Asian British female, right? And it's important for me to embrace all my identities and take the best from each part. And, and in the civil service before I joined, I never really knew what it was. I had no family or friend connections that linked me into the service, unlike many of my peer group. And, and it was by chance I got my first job in London there um, in one of the best roles to promote the civil service to underrepresented groups for the fast stream, which is the civil service sort of graduate programme and led on some of diversity programmes to improve the pipeline of talent. But I was sort of working in a bubble where I was attracting, you know, people like me to work into the civil service and not consider a career in banking or accounting or law. But in the broader department in civil service, I just didn't really see people like me, especially in senior positions. And do you think that's changing now? It it definitely is, but it's not at the pace at which is needed. So, you know, the summer diversity programme that, you know, I was leading on is is still taking place now, for example. So it's got amazingly talented people on it, but it doesn't mean that we've done the job on diversifying our pipeline. And I guess if I could give you a flavour of what it's like in three areas in the civil service on ethnicity, gender and social mobility, you know, ethnicity, you know, we've got 13 percent of civil servants that are from an ethnic minority background, which is in line with the UK working population. Um, staff at sort of feeder grades for senior leadership positions has definitely increased since 2010. So it's now at 11 percent. But at the most senior level, so the levels of which I am at, it's it's around 7 percent. And then on gender, we've definitely had an increase in overall representation of women in the civil service. So it's above 50 percent since 2010. And in my department, the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government, women now make up at least half of those senior civil service positions. But on social mobility, I don't know if you saw, there was a really inter- interesting report from the Social Mobility Commission earlier this year, which said that nearly three out of four senior civil servants are from privileged backgrounds, and the majority are based in London, um, even though the North West houses, for example, 12% of civil servants, which is the largest out of London, but only 3% of the senior leaders. And there's something really that the research was pointing to in terms of accents and people sort of speaking Latin in meetings. And just, you know, I, I feel like the social mobility angle is actually really quite an interesting one that we're trying to explore in government. And I think actually, obviously, with some of the departments moving up north, hopefully that's going to influence and make that change for good, yeah. we would hope. Yeah, definitely. So you were on our Northern Power, or you are on our Northern Power Women Future List, because you don't just go on it and re-enter it once you're on it. You know, it's we always say we're not just for Christmas, we're for life, aren't we? You yeah. <laughs> um, you're on a Northern Power Women List in 2017. What did that mean to you? You know what? To this day, I still don't know Simone who put me forward. 
Um, but if they're listening, I would love to meet them and thank them in person because it, it came at a point in my life where it, it just really helped to validate my internal narrative on, you know, what did I want to do in my career? And and, and more importantly, it, it connected me to a network of really passionate and talented individuals. And, and they were so dedicated to driving forward their own businesses and companies, but were so open to supporting others. There wasn't that inherent competitiveness that you sometimes get. And it was a really unique network and, and special mix of people. And it was just really special. Oh, and, and of course, the badge. We talk about the badges. Everyone loves those pin badges. I hope you're wearing it now on this call. <laughs> I mean, the one thing, I, you know, um, we've intentionally worked on is, is trying to get that, you know, wider inclusive, inclusivity, wider representation of the area that we serve yeah. and the area that we promote. And yeah. um, in, in the belated, if you like, uh, the, um, the um, postponed and then delivered awards that we had this year, 52% of the future lists were yeah. from black, Asian or minority ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. You know, how important is it that we continue to showcase uh, women of colour? And I know yeah. we had this conversation in, in one of those very early sessions yeah. as well about how we can do this yeah and I think firstly it's important to know that you know you've you and the team have taken a really purposeful reach into different communities to achieve that stat so it, you know that should be commended and it should be the norm but unfortunately it, is, it isn't so if you compare it to the Queen's birthday honours list this year 85% of the honours recipients were white and um uh, you know, white people received 97% of higher honours, including dames and knighthoods and OBEs compared to ethnic minorities who had the sort of highest level at OBE um, level. So it isn't just about being able to, you know, it's not about being able to find talented women of colour because they're all over the country and especially in the north. So it's about the importance of networks, <clears throat> reaching out and, and recognising, especially those, you know, women for the achievements that they've led, led on and it not just being about the colour of their skin, right? So they shouldn't have to be on a platform in, in that sort of way, but also that our younger community see how normal it is for women of colour to be recognised and celebrated and shouted out about, like, that should be the norm. One of the things that, you know, I remember us having this big conversation, you know, because it's easy to go, well, actually, well, we'll just, we'll put more people through if, you know, if we've got women of colour on here. And it, But, you know, we both agreed, you know, we don't want that tokenism. We want to just, we want to reach out and look harder, don't we, I think, you yeah. know. Um, this is, it's not, you know, um, like you say, there are so many amazing people out there so I think there's something really special about the people who take the time to nominate yeah you know those people who nominate colleagues or friends or community yeah. um and I always love the passion with which they write because yeah. they are lifting up this season is called our rise up season because we want people to rise others up um you know does that come through to you the the passion in what people write Oh, massively and, and you you get a real sense of the pure energy about it because it, like you say, it takes time, it takes dedication. You really need to think it through, um, uh, you know, and, and build some of that evidence base. And I've nominated several people and it's been great to see them recognised. And it goes back to the point I was saying before about networks. There's just something about uh, amplifying opportunities for people to understand actually where are the communities, where are the businesses that are doing some really good work and might not necessarily think that something like this is for them because they're just working so hard. 
There's things that you just talked about um, a, a few a question or so ago about purpose and, a, you know, pointed at the team at how we've kind of really purposely tried to drive uh, this agenda. One of the things that we're doing this year, we've built, um, we'd already built this power platform and we're we're kind of taking that onto the next level and we're taking all the nominations this year through our platform. Because yeah. one of the things we want to do is we want to recognise those people who nominate. Yeah. We want to, you know, we, we've always been good on social media about showing up badges. I've mentored, <laughs> I've been, you know, sort of a joint but actually we want to recognize those people who nominate as well because without those people who take mm. their time to put their fingers to a keyboard mm. there would be no awards so mm. and 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 ultimately even though cause sometimes it can take that cajoling yeah. to get the nominees to put that response together yeah it, it does matter so what have nominees and winners told you about what the awards mean to them you've mentioned how you know yeah. it was important to yourself but what else have you heard um, I mean, when I've spoken to people, like sometimes a lot of it is it's like that initial surprise that they've been recognised. And, and sometimes people can be, especially women, we can be quite humble about our achievements and we shouldn't we shouldn't be. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, there's a kind of um, joy that they've even been nominated and have the work that they do be recognised. And especially if they win, I found that um, it gives colleagues a real sense of how they want to use that to amplify the work and the causes they're doing it it sort of it really embeds that that kind of legacy you know that they're, they're trying to achieve which is is it's just it's so inspiring to see I think one of the things that I remember from uh, the very uh, first or second year awards, there was one particular organisation, which was one of the the big four. And the person I was dealing with and, and saying, would you ask your, your teams, your colleagues, your stakeholders to promote this? And I think they put in something as an organisation, something like 26 awards, but half of them were people within the organisation, but half of them were for, if you like, people from within their community, people yeah. that their organisation was associated with, the, the coffee shop that they drank in, whatever the support supply chain and I think that's really important as well isn't yeah. it to, to don't just look at the norm you know yeah. look at in a year that we've just had there's many heroes out there there's many people who've yeah. written new narratives aren't there so yeah. I think this is a, it's a great opportunity this year isn't it as well to reflect on the good and the impactful that people are out there especially yeah. up north <laughs> yeah no definitely I think that's such a it's such a really good message because sometimes it's the uh, it's it's the voices that are the most unheard that actually are the ones that we need to reach out to the most. Yeah, and we are, we're creating a new award this year as well around disrupting for good. Yeah. Um, and then that can apply to an individ individual, a community yeah. or an organisation, yeah. you know. So again, we want to make sure that, you know, everyone can be celebrated. So you're based uh, up in Manchester, but what makes the North so special? I mean, this is a great question because, you know, you know, I love being from the North and I <laughs> And I get to lead an amazing team in government where we're helping to support economic growth across the north. But I think not only do we have great cultural and sporting assets across the north, like we have a history of rebellion and not always doing the same things as in the same way as others. And I've always said there's a grittiness to our culture and attitude here that I, I really love. But I think we've got a really big challenge with the disproportionate impacts of COVID that we faced in our communities and business across the north. But I still remain hopeful that you know we've got that creativity you know in our DNA we've got leaders here across all sectors who I think can really deliver that sustainable change you know that we really need to address the regional equalities that we face for decades so for me it feels like there's never been a better time to live and work in the north and just be part of the change that we we, we really need here. 
absolutely, without a doubt, it's time to rise up and level up, isn't it? So thank you so much, Marianne. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for being such a wonderful advocate and supporter for Northern Power Women and Northern Power Futures. We really appreciate it. We'll put a link to nominate in the show notes and all you have to do is register a profile, pick the category you'd like to nominate in. You've got until the 11th of October to submit your nomination and to make your mark on the Northern Power Women Awards 2022. Uh, The Northern Power Women Awards is for all sectors, levels, genders and most definitely never just for one night but about telling the amazing stories of people in and from the north who are doing the most purposeful and impactful things thank you so so much for joining us catch us on all our socials at north power women on twitter and northern power women on all other socials drop us a note leave us a review i'm simone roche and you've been listening to the northern power women podcast a what goes on media production Whoa.